This episode is sponsored by Overcast, a better podcast app than whatever you're using right now. Unless it's Overcast. Get Overcast for free on the App Store. It's the last one of the year. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Oh my God. Unji, welcome back to the living. L- I, the hello. The living. Oh my God. Happy to be alive. Happy to be here. Happy. Jesus. Took you down. It took me down. I had, yeah. the, you guys, I had the flu. I had the flu. Just a regular COVID. flu. Just a regular flu. Um, yeah. Uh, I was, I had a fever, COVID negative, sex positive. <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm glad that you are back and rosy cheeked and ready to go. Oh, I'm Damn, haggard, I, honey. I, I, I am haggard. <laughs> I look fuck, like death. I look like I have survived something. That's plus my. I haven't mom-ness. seen these glasses in a long time. This is it's upsetting me. <laughs> I know. Like there's some something's not right with her. <laughs> yeah. I d- <laughs> like I my I was so dehydrated. My contacts literally popped out of my eyes. Uh, <laughs> like truly <laughs> like it was it was insane but i mean like yeah it, it was a it's a it was a rough rough go of it i feel like this is this was 2020 ringing the last of me like it was like yeah. 20 was like listen it's been a rough year but let me just <laughs> squeeze the last of just it out of you a little more <laughs> And I was like, okay, bitch, you know what? <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yeah, stay on brand, 2020. Okay. <laughs> wow. It has been a, a long, horrible year, and you it just, you're really going out with a bang here. And I'm so sorry you had to go through that <laughs> fucking sickness. And it wasn't even COVID. It, Not that I wish you had COVID, but it's like we've been under this thumb and guise of COVID for a year now, and you're like, and once someone gets sick, you're like, there he goes. There's COVID. We got it. It's not got even it. the one. <laughs> I When I went to get COVID tested, I told the lady my symptoms, sore throat, fever. Um, and I was like, it literally happened like overnight. Like I woke up uh-huh. and I had a sore throat. I had a fever. Like I had was up all night, chills. Uh-huh. And uh, I got in there, told the, the physician that my symptoms, she took a step back. And she was like, literally was like, even if this comes back negative, come back because you probably have it. You probably have it. Yeah. Did you get like a did you think you got like a false negative or something or you? No, I mean, like the fact that I went back because she was just like, because you so these are classic symptoms. Right. And like the flu season inside of Chicago has not like really there's been like very little. up. Yeah. Yeah. And Uh, you got bit by that bat. Yeah. There was so many Not things. only did I get bit by that bat, I did have that bat soup. Like, it was kind of crazy. <laughs> I went to a wet market in yes. Chicago. <laughs> I mean, like, truly, it was like, she was like, even if it's, ne- even if this rapid test is negative, please come back. Because you like, yeah. she literally was like, you have it for sure. And I was like, okay. Uh, and, oh, wow. And so, like, I went back and did the whole thing. And it was just like, it was five days negative like blah 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 and i'm over it but it's like jesus christ jesus christ jesus christ indeed the reason for the season and you know what the bitch tried to take you down 2020 but here you are up and at it yes might be looking haggard (laughs) might be sporting those glasses that you it's like the emergency glasses everyone has those it's like the ones where you're like bitch it's in a go bag (laughs) like there's a earthquake alarm ringing 
<laughs> Maybe nukes have been fired from Russia and those are the glasses you got on. <laughs> like, it's always like, these are the glasses that you see, like, sometimes on news reports, like people in the middle of the night. Yes. Like, it's yes, clear, yes. like, these are not... <laughs> These are these are not glasses for public consumption. <laughs> no, no. It's retired read next to your partner of many decades because you do not care yes. enough yes. to be to feel sexy for them. <laughs> I used to wear these out and it's kind of crazy when I think about it. I was like, oh, this is this is hot. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> embarrassing. Whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I'm 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 surviving. I'm Good. not thriving, but I am here. <laughs> We I'm love alive. it. We missed you last week. We had to do a Christmas episode without you I last know. minute, which I mean, I completely understand, but uh, it was strange doing it alone. And you recently did a solo episode. So you know what it's like. I was like, uh, okay, I'm just <laughs> going to start screaming. <laughs> <laughs> like it was really like, it is bizarre because you, I mean, like this is such a, an established thing for both of us. Like when we don't uh-huh. do it, we do miss each other. Yeah, I'm like, uh, I don't, who am I even, what am I even doing? Why, for what? I I did get to get some interview snippets with uh, my writing partner, Steve Song, and my younger brother, Arlen Kim. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that. A, a lot of people have actually reached out and said, hey, your brother's very funny. Ooh. <laughs> I was like, okay. Don't your brother. I did, and now he wants to start comedy. Yeah. I said, hell no. <laughs> I will not support that. It's like, it is truly, it's like, it's that, um, I've have, I've taken, I've taken two standup classes and uh-huh. the people that kill at the graduation show are always uh-huh. the funniest, the funny guy at the office. Funny guy at the office. That's it. And they bring everyone. Everybody. They bring like 40 people from the office and they're usually like telling like stories out of school or whatever, out of class. And, and they kill. 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 Yeah. And then the second they go back to a regular open mic, it's like. Silence. Yes, <laughs> and they're just like you don't have your crew there. Yes, I and, and they they just don't. You can see the confusion in their eyes. Like yeah, but people love me. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, honey, this is not where people come to. Like, you're loved, so stay there. Stay there. Don't come stay, here. Don't come this here. is a room of hate. Yeah, <laughs> you come from a place of love. Like enjoy this. That sounds. That looked wonderful like i took this class with you i watched this guy who had like survived two rounds of like testicular cancer and like and just like surrounded by love like clearly this is like this is a douchebag that is loved you know and watching this guy like thrive i'm just like why do you even want to do this like (laughs) you have friends stay in that stay in your lane dude like get off this highway like you're good you're headed home yeah leave it for the mentally unstable and wretched that's where that's really where comedy should be bred leave it for me the person who brought nobody and told no one to come yeah (laughs) (laughs) my i took one stand-up class and uh i did very bad and i had i told no one to come no because i knew it was gonna be embarrassing i knew it there was no way i was gonna be good I was so nervous. It's ugh, ugh. And then, and then once you start doing comedy, you're like, "Hey, come to my shows." And then you burn all your like non-comedy oh, friends out within the first, within first, the first month. <laughs> They're like, "Yeah, we went to that improv thing. We're good." Yeah. <laughs> like you wish you knew um, in those first couple of years. They're like, "Don't burn through these. You're gonna need them. You're yeah, gonna need save them." 
save them. Yeah, exactly. There's going to be uh, something pretty important. Stop sending them those it. emails, those yeah. BCC emails. They're going to fucking <laughs> spam. They're going to say, Mark as spam. <laughs> well, it has been a fucking shitstorm of a year. Uh, a year like none other. Truly. So much has happened. I was going to think about like, maybe we should recount all the bullshit that we went through, but it's just not possible. <laughs> I don't, and I don't want to. I really don't. I don't want to dwell on this wretched fucking year, the last year of Trump's fucking stupid administration. This needs to go. I'm done. I, I, I just get me into. I wish I could just like take. Sometimes I wish I could go into a coma. Yeah. Like, but that's not like bad. You know what like, I mean? Where hurt. like my, no my legs fall no, off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. No hurting. No pain. Like I mean, like truly, this is like I want to close this document. And then when they ask if you want to save ass, I'm going to say no. I don't no. want to save this. I don't want to save this. I'm going to erase. Bye. This yeah. is a draft. This is a draft. Don't, I don't put a .temp file. No. I don't want no traces of this file or no. this document. Erase. I'm done. I'm dragging it to the trash and then delete forever. The, yes, exactly. Like I mean, I, like <laughs> and the shutdown time machine, so you can't go back and sneakily <laughs> fucking bring it back either. Because I mean, I was thinking about it. I was like just thinking about how often inside of this past year we've said. I think I've hit a wall. This is. <laughs> We've hit multiple walls. Wall, multiple walls. Like both multiple wall times wall. where we've been like surprised. Like, oh, I don't know. I could be even worse. Even worse. <laughs> I, I uh, This 2020 has taught me that there is no such thing as rock bottom. Mm. There is nothing. There's no sort. You can go deeper. Trust yeah. me. Life is an abyss. <laughs> And it's staring back at you right now. All right. I mean, like this is a this is a gaping chasm and we are just free floating. We're looking for we're just looking <sighs> for a wall to cling to. And the thing is, like we can and it seems like that. I mean, if we saw if we could have foreseen in those for early days of lockdown that we would be saying that March. That March. March when we did that, um, if you guys go back, there's an episode where Unji and I go into the studio, our old studio at Cards yeah. Against Humanity, to do an episode, and we're like a little buzzed, and we're having a blast. It's a blast. really fun. I mean, at, But at that time, we knew. We were like, this feels bad. Yeah. Something's not right here. And it was just like those, like, it, it was like, um, you know like when whatever the people as Nero fiddled as like as Rome burned around him we were like okay this feels like that right <laughs> there was like a haunting feeling of like almost a, 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 an entire universe in decay I was like this can't be the I, there's gotta be a multiverse where, a, a different dimension where like this isn't happening but it did, and how little we knew then that it would get so bad. <laughs> I mean, the fact that we're talking about a vaccine now, and it's been mobilized as quickly as it has, I'm shocked, right? I'm shocked. I'm shocked. And like every single doctor friend, anyone in the medical profession I know has gotten vaccinated in the last two weeks. I mean, like everybody I know, coast to coast. So the fact that it's Lucky. mobilized as quickly... And that that we are seeing a timeline that puts both of us in the, our respective coasts, right? Middle coast and uh, the West Coast in a, a where uh -huh. we probably as the least important people, right? We're 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 last, like even after. Yeah. 
like they're, we're not even on the current phase like t- timeline of people they're not even describing us that's how unimportant we no. are they're saying yeah. i would i'm predicting like august like and the thing is that see that feels like a light at the end of the tunnel oh i could do august i could just close my eyes and hum through until august i can do it like I, I, here's one thing i will say one pandemic now that we have kind of come to the time of this pandemic where things are it, it's an inflection point right you know especially with inauguration and new fucking federal leadership <laughs> you know like hopefully <laughs> that, we'll will get there that will acknowledge the severity of the pandemic yes <laughs> that it is a pandemic and not make stupid racist jokes calling it kung flu We'll we'll be at the we'll be in a good place I think and now seeing that like going through an entire pandemic from March to nine now nine months boy I, I, I could do anything I'm I if I could survive a pandemic as a com a comedian <laughs> a Korean gay Korean comedian bitch I could do anything. Let's go. Yeah, I don't what do you got? Need, I don't need wings. Bitch, I can fly. Like, I mean, I can do anything. I know we're not allowed to cite R. Kelly anymore, but touche, touche. Delete that out, Phil. But I, I mean, yeah, like. I feel I, invincible. I feel stronger because of I went through this. Like, we collectively as a human race went through this. And this is trauma. I mean, like, we all have to. This, <sighs> Oof. I mean, like, when I. As we move forward and we continue to have to live this way, even with the light at the end of the tunnel, we will have to continue to be vigilant, especially like as become people become more reckless, like there was this past yeah. summer. Um, uh-huh. Like, And the thing is, like, I was thinking about it. And I don't know the next time. Like, I don't know if I'll ever go on public transportation without a mask ever again. It'll be hard for me to be around people that I don't know. Yes. Without a mask. I mean, this is. And they're saying we should, we have to like stay masked and everything because, you know, it, first of all, not everyone's getting the vaccine at the same time. So people can still get it and die. Right. Oh boy. I, I want to be done. I want it to be, I, you know what? Did I tell you what I'm going to do for my 40th birthday? What are you going to do? I have decided, I've decided for my 40th birthday, which is in two years. Two years. But, you know, this all goes back to dreaming out loud yes. and uh, uh, setting goals, attainable, small to medium to large goals. This small one is kind of to large. OK, this is kind of a large one, I will say. But <clears throat> 40th birthday, uh-huh. I'm going to go. I'm going to rent a maison in Paris. OK. OK. Yeah, 14 plus rooms. I'm, I'm with you. Okay? I've researched this. Yeah. I've researched yeah, myself. A whole estate. Yeah. yeah. I've researched myself. What? What? Yeah, we're talking about Versailles yeah. floors, all right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've researched myself in, in Versailles. I've researched yeah. myself in all the Eridons. All the Eridons. <laughs> in Paris. Yeah, yeah I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've researched villas you all over it. Tuscany. Yeah. Don't come at me you with Google this maison. It. All right. Keep all going. Right. All right. Well, here's, what I, here's the plan I'm, I'm renting a maison in Paris. Four, uh, 14 rumor. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to stay there for a month. Okay. 
That's the best no, deal. Sorry. That's I'm, the best I'm, rate. I'm staying I'm staying in France for a month. Okay. I think I'm doing Paris for ten days. Okay. But I'm gonna I'm gonna pay for the whole thing. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm getting nervous talking about that, but I'm going to pay for the whole thing. Yeah, I'm getting I'm nervous, nervous my, for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. It's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like fifteen to $1,800 a day. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. This is all think, knowing and hoping and dreaming that that will be attainable in two years. Okay. I'm going to put that. I'm, I'm going to uh, take care of the housing. Okay. And I'm going to tell my close friends. Uh-huh. Okay. Which is obviously you. Yeah. And everyone who listens to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm going to tell my close friends. Yeah. Here's the address. Here are the dates. First come, first serve. Get Get there. What? And we will celebrate for 10 Tim days. That's very <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Like, hey, and you could stay for one night. You could stay for three. If you're like, oh, I can't leave the kids or whatever. Yeah. If you're like, I hate my kids. Come for the whole 10. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, let's go. I know a lot of my good friends have kids. Yeah. But for my 40th, I mean, I was talking to my BBBBBFFFF. From middle school to high school, her name is Jen. I think I've told you about her. Yeah. <clears throat> she was kind of like the um, HBIC, cool girl, hot girl, smart girl. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, we recently got back in contact, like, I would say like six months ago, we started like talking again during the pandemic. We're like, I really miss you. What happened? Blah, blah. She's back in New York, whatever. And I was telling her this plan and she was like, oh, are you kidding me? For five years, I was going back and forth to Paris every three months. I like I'm coming there, and I'm gonna spoil you for for your birthday. And I was oh like, Yeah! So we're gonna have a personal guide. It's gonna be fabulosity. It's gonna be so much butter, so much bread, so much cheese. Okay. You know, I, I know, I know, I know people that live there. Do you do? <laughs> I that, who? Um, a friend of mine from college. She married a Frenchman. <gasps> She, la- huh? she lives in What a- the fuck? Unji, we have been doing this podcast for almost five years and you have not said that once. I know. And how I many know. times have I fucking talked about Paris? <laughs> well, she also, like, she lives in, like, a flat in, like, a very posh area down zone. Like, she has three oh, this kids. This is Emily in Paris. She has three kids in Paris. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. She's fabulous. I can yeah, tell yeah, already. Yeah. And she, they, they have, like, a summer home in um, the south of France. Oh, God. We love the south of France. <laughs> Especially in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, yeah. I, so, there's just, like, a person that can also help us, you wow. know. But th- the thing is, this is the thing. If you're going to do a maison, uh, if you're going to do a villa, this is the uh-huh. big thing. And this is why it's dangerous what? if you just had people kick in, which is, like, the, always been a part of my calculations. Crazy that it's not a part uh, of yours. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, you know, but for me, like, the thing. You know, the, the taking care of it. Yeah. yeah. The taking care of it is the gift for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, that means if I'm taking care of that, uh, that means it, it, it doesn't matter if you're kicking it or not. Right. It's like, it's all like, cause you don't want to, you don't want to quibble. No. Yeah, it's coming no out in the wash. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but the, okay. Um, I understand. I understand. Uh, but the, the, that math is frightening. Uh, <laughs> It is a lot of money. But, but a lot of the villas in Tuscany specifically, 
they have a chef. <gasps> yes. Yes. I saw that on my thing. Yes. A private chef attached yes. for this much money. To this yes. thing. And that is a luxurious, like that is a phenomenal, that is a, that is a situation I would love to be a part of. Like. <laughs> We're doing that. You know what I we're mean? We're definitely like, doing yeah. that. There's no way. Uh, there's 14 rooms, and we're all gonna what? Potluck cook? Exactly. I wanna, get the fuck out of here. I want to ride an interesting bicycle with, uh, yes. with like a uh, with a basket in the front that's carrying a loaf of bread and a bunch uh-huh. of like uh, big vegetables. I, yes. <laughs> you Some know, daisies. Yes. Yeah. I want. Uh-huh. This is this is. I'm gonna be Camel wearing, bear. Yes. A little bit of local sundress. honey. Yeah, yes. I'm wearing yes. a big hat. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Maybe a book, a personal journal, something, you know, like you're just letting the day carry you. Mm. Oh, Paris. Ay, ay, ay. I miss. This I is, miss Paris so much. This is this is the thing. Um, <sighs> I mean, like I've I've only been to Paris once, but it was a very like romantic Same. experience. I went for my 30th <gasps> birthday. And you did? I, I went for my 30th birthday. Oh my God. Wait, what? Were we there at the same time? No, no, no. We, no you're in no. October. I'm... I'm December. You're December. I'm September. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So like, I was there, and it was my. I was meeting my friend. Whoa, that's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, at the time, my husband's best friend was seeing a woman in Moscow, and he lived oh. in New York, so they would meet in Paris all the time. <gasps> wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. I know. Sounds it was like, like a it novel. Was, it was yes. It was very very romantic. It was very whirlwind, and it was uh-huh. like. You know, we had rented an Airbnb like that looked out into Ugh. like a, a private weird garden. It was bizarre. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you have travel it's experiences. So I know, but sometimes you have travel experiences that you don't plan for, right? Yeah. That like, oh, that was all of Paris for me. Yes. And nothing was planned. I, and I also gave myself over to the whims. You know, I was 30. I was doing the whole like eat, pray, love. And like, I'm just going to go out there. Like I would literally go up to people that I thought looked or felt interesting and i would just be like what are you reading you know what i mean like i could never can you imagine <laughs> imagine me in la going up to someone randomly like so what are you reading they'd be like ew what the fuck oh, yeah <laughs> but i was bold i turned 30 in europe and i was like fuck everything i'm gonna sleep my way through all yes. of europe and you know what? Paris, oh, is a, Paris is a, le- a city drugs. that lets. Paris is a city that lets you do that. Absolutely, it, will, it beckons it will, yes, adventure, it, and it will let you do that, and it will it will mm-hmm. recognize this need in you, and it says, "Yeah, yes. okay." And it will comfort you and take care of you. It will not spit you out. It'll be tough. Yeah. On you, but it, it, at the end of the day, je temporary. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, <sighs> Parisians don't love enthusiasm, but they love earnestness. Huh? Yeah. You it's know? like New Yorkers. Yes. Yeah. Like it's like they don't like this like hunky dory like it's like the big thing about Russians when I was there it's like they hate mm. American enthusiasm like the smiling the and like you know like I, I that's me like I they were just like this is a crazy they thought I was a child like because ah. like, of how much I was did it, smiling did it help that you kept putting your hair in pigtails yes <laughs> and that I was wearing red boots a red beret and a. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, they just, it's baffling to them. Like, no one mature is this excited. But but, but earnestness, you know, this, like, Uh um, passion. Passion and for, like, seeking authenticity in things. Oh, yes, yes. It's very welcome, you know? Like, oh, yes, I love that. I mean, I love uh, that. uh, There's this thing about in my friend, she was like a person in Moscow. She's uh, like an art 
uh, ga- gallery person, um, uh-huh. and uh, she was she was saying that like in a, a Russian cafe in, in Moscow specifically, like if you're smiling and laughing to yourself, like or like smiling, no one will. Everyone will shy away from you. They'll like pull themselves. They'll away. think you're crazy. They'll think you're crazy. If you start yeah. crying, everyone will flock. Oh wow! Okay. It's Moscow like it's just sounds like the city for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was not for me. I will do well. <laughs> it was very scary. <laughs> yeah, in Moscow, all of Russia seems a little scary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially if you look different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even all through Europe, Western Europe, I felt weird. In Italy, yeah. I was in front of the Vatican and this like Roma kid, this child, you know how like the Roma in all over the world, really, but especially in in Italy, they use their children as like um, kind of like distractions. Right, right, right. And they, st- you know, whatever. In the touristy <laughs> areas, right. Yeah, yeah, they take advantage of like idiot tours, and, and honestly, like t- take it, you know, like it's, yeah. <laughs> I get it. We're we're ruining the city, um, but remember this kid? I was walking by, and he would just stare at me like I was an alien, like he had never seen an Asian person before. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. so crazy to experience. I mean, Europe especially, it's different. I mean, in France, it's different because there's so many Asian people there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know about the rest of France. I've only been to Paris. Paris felt very cosmopolitan and yeah. and worldly. It feels and, like New York. It felt very New York. Yeah. yeah. It was it was exactly that. London felt a little less um how do I say distinguished? It felt more it felt stupider. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and lower class. I know I'm just talking to a, a a class A anglophile, but there's something about London that skeeves me out. It's like not good enough to be Paris or New York, but it's like pretending to be. But it's British people are super racist. Yes. It's like it's it actually kind of reminds me of my time in Chicago where it's like you're <laughs> trying to be a big city but you're not and everyone's racist here. <laughs> I mean truly like I I've never been to London. I have no desire There's to. There's no need to go. Yeah, I have no desire to go. You get nothing out of it. Yeah, I have no desire to go. I mean the only reason why I would ever want to go is cuz I'm a big Sherlock Holmes person and I am interested <laughs> I'm interested uh, in seeing the country the English countryside. You okay. know, like yeah. that's like the only yeah. thing I would be interested There's in. There's some London, charming parts. London has no appeal to me. I'm not interested. No. I've seen all. You want to go to like Cornwall or yeah. like some some yeah. shit like that. I want to like stand yeah. in a field and have you know someone take a picture of me from far away. You know. Yeah, yeah. There um, you go. Like I just because I mean seriously, every single British person I've ever met abroad has felt like it's like meeting someone from Alabama with an accent. Yes. Okay. That's exactly it. Like they're it felt red like- faced. They're red yeah, faced. They love like beer. Yeah, they love beer. They're red yeah. faced. They have very strong bad, opinions. Bad teeth, bad skin. Yes, it's yeah. like um, the word is like dyspeptic, and like they look like they burp all the time. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Like they look sure. like they're sure, just yeah. they've just finished burping. unrefined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. look like um, like Mayor Daly did. Like someone like had pulled him out from the collar from a bar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Unkempt. Like, yeah, and like and brought yeah. him to this tour bus. 
to to tour the the Vatican. Yeah, you know, the, like it's, the I, British are uh, a. It's an interesting bunch because like they don't really have a great identity either. Like they used to be this like big hero of Western history, you know, but they did a lot of bad shit. <laughs> and I would say that much like us now. Yeah, like the yes. Blitz is like defining to post-war British people. Yeah. yeah, like it's a thing. And so when we see how we want to emerge from this chrysalis this time in the pandemic, <laughs> how we want to emerge, let's look to the British to yes. see how we can improve. Do you think people will look back at us? At one point, and and will we become what the British have become, which is kind of this to the self-effacing, like kind of like tight wad, you know, like the British don't feel that dangerous. No, as and as I, a culture, I think that's what's. I mean, if you look at a lot of the stuff, even about pre-pandemic, about the Gen yeah. Z or like the I Gen, you know, generation. Uh -huh. They take much less risk. Mm. They have fewer sexual partners. They yeah, yeah, don't yeah. have as many like they're they're very averse to risk. Um, huh. And it's like <gasps> that's so funny. My younger brother and I were talking about that today, and how like I'm so risky and he's so risk averse. Yes, and 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 risk. I mean, across the board, not just romantically, but career wise. Yeah. Like yep, they yep. saw the 2008 2009 recession. They I mean, we left them with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they. Are, the thing is, like, they see very firsthand and very young. They yeah. saw how uncertain and unstable the world can be. Yeah, you know, yeah. like the our parents, not our parents, but like the generation in America that went through the fifties and sixties. That's like mm -hmm. un unmanageable growth. Right. They don't see anything but prosperity and growth for the last their entire lives except for the last 20 years and for right. people that are 20 you know i think if we really do this right if we really emerge from this moment in our time this traumatic moment in our time with an eye towards i'm not saying we don't have to love money okay yeah i'm not saying we don't have to be capitalists Okay, free markets, that's all good. Yeah, Maison, you but, could be anti-capitalism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> twit, twit, twit. That's not what we believe in in Najma Show, okay? <laughs> but I, I do believe that there is a way to manipulate humanity's greed towards good. I really do think so. And uh, especially with the change in fossil fuels and going towards clean energy i mean there's nothing to even fucking uh, fight for if we don't have a planet so can we all just get on the same fucking page secondly we have no job we have no pr production of no jobs in, in in you know in our country there's no industry left to explore mm -hmm. in america we had a uh, uh, silicon valley okay we've kind of like really ripped through that and then uh, what else do we have now weed Okay, there, there's a there, weed industry is still, you know, young, uh, about to be mature mm -hmm. across the country. Hopefully this will be a federal thing. And then green energy. Like if we really, really put our money into uh, making sure that 
renewable energy is the next oil business, we could make jobs for everyone. There's like, we could, there's, there's an uh, uh, un, like, there's so much money to be made in a new power source. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Peter, you say that, but you know everyone's going to be a fucking energy healer in the next 20 years. Like, ever. <laughs> The next gold rush is going to be towards the spiritual crystals. Yeah, towards uh, it's quackery, spiritual quackery, and people. Well, I mean, when has it not been? I guess. <laughs> but there's going to be a gold rush towards it because the thing is, you're right. There is nothing else to mine aside from our own our, our own selves, our own securities. Mm-hmm. Right? Even entertainment, and, we're done with. Like China's just doing everything. I, there's but, no like stories to tell anymore. <laughs> but I would say that this is actually the moment where. Um, like, I think that there is going to be a great leap somewhere here. This is the opportunity. I think this is where, like, the Gene Roddenberry, like, my yes. Star Trekky shit starts to freak flag, starts to fly. Okay. I think there's going to be, like, this is the moment. I see this. is this. the moment. This is, I okay. see us as collectively sort of recognizing that we as a humanity can survive together. Yeah. And that none of these things that separate us actually mean anything. Mean anything. I, I, that's kind of what a global pandemic ought to be doing. Yes. And sort Truly. Of, and, and sort of that's, we are sort of seeing that with like the sort of overall mental health stuff. It's like, I think the next thing at once we break through that after we sort of are able to hang out again is that we mm-hmm. see the value in each other again, mm-hmm. you know, and we start to reinvest in each other and in our fellow man and woman and what, you know, whatever, like, I'm just saying, I think that we will see the value in each other again. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that is where, like, all the sort of things that you're describing, not only towards green energy, but, like, you know, the value that our society places on things will become inverted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that's... Human that's, life first. Yeah. Profit margins last. Last. And meaningless. We can do this. No, I no, recently one, heard- no one on the enterprise has a wallet. <laughs> Exactly. Everything's taken care of. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And you all wear whatever assigned color you wear. Right. So that we know what your job is. (laughs) We're all in this pseudo militarized (laughs) (laughs) exploration ship. It's like Peace Corps with the stunners. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you're right. There, There has to be a return to community and you know your neighbor i know this is like real like nerdy christian shit but like i think it comes down to love your neighbor like <laughs> i think that's all I, I, I think that's what i'm learning i'm running i've been running away from the christianity from you know the organized religion of christianity since i was born but the ideas are ripe you know like it, it's what it's what is the the antithesis of of capitalism and uh, unfettered greed and me 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 generation has really shown us that like it's unsustainable yeah there's no way to continue to do this without mass poverty mass inequity you know tiny oligarchies like there that's the only like we have russia right in front of us like we know what it can become i mean there is there is no cashmere sock soft enough for you to feel <laughs> true happiness it doesn't matter what they tell you. It doesn't matter what you tell yourself. There no. is no cashmere sock. Don't even try. I'm telling you from experience. There is, it's not possible. And yeah. the thing is that 
when we when we talk about this as artists and like we talk about like our time as humans inside of this pandemic like if you think about the stuff that has brought you true joy yes that casimir sock felt good and i will say the creature comforts are always going to be great but the things Mm -hmm. that have actually sustained you are one this conversation i have with you peter sustain has sustained me 100 Like, even if no one else listened, like this, you and I right now, this is like so important to me. The people, the company you keep, the people you've been on Zooms with, guys, like that's what sustained you, right? The Amazon purchases or local businesses, if you like, that you've been helping support. (laughs) I hope. I hope. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like that shit is filler. Yeah. That's yeah. like that's the that's just like those are the little things that it's you can empty kinda, calories. Yeah, that's the sort of shit that you cling to between the more meaningful moments, the more meaningful right. nodes in all of this. And so, like when yeah. we when you value and you're able to assess this correctly in your mind, and I think all of us do. At the end of the day, we all know this. Yeah, this is not a surprise. We all know this very concretely. No one has to tell you this. No, you know, and so like. That coming out of th- that and remembering to hold on to it, because that's the thing, you know, people that have near death experiences, you know how they all come out of it change with this like new understanding of life, new lease, and they have like a new bout ba- like priorities in life. You know yeah, how long yeah. it lasts? A month. Sometimes a year. <clears throat> Sometimes a year. Damn. It's hard. And then they forget. Then yeah. they go back to And then to you it. go right back to like fucking complaining about how late your Uber is. That's right. Yeah, it's um, maybe that is my goal for 2021. Now that we have come down to the end of the year and we will be setting, you know, I don't know if you do, if you guys do New Year's resolutions, you know, maybe maybe this could be a new era resolution. How about that? Ooh. A post pandemic, post Corona. What do you want your life to be? I don't care what your life was before. Yeah. We're getting a blank slate. Those of us who were lucky enough to survive yeah. this pandemic, which, let's face it, a lot of people were not lucky this year. Yeah. And a lot of people died. So what does that mean? A, maybe that could be something that drives me, okay? And maybe it's something that I've been thinking about is kindness and how hard that is for me. And how I use (laughs) kindness as a currency, you know, because I only like being kind to people I like. And I'm I think this year I have realized that that's not actually kindness. You know what I mean? Like if you're truly kind, you have to be kind to someone you don't like. (laughs) And that's hard for me. Okay, I've never ever <laughs> felt the need to do that <laughs> the way you just said and i realized that's not actually kindness kindness <laughs> the way hey, it's never too late to learn all right i'm fucking 38 i'm learning new things all right so it's never it's not too late for you out there we're growing one thing I, I will say that I really loved about this year, <clears throat> something that you said to me that has kind of stuck with me is this idea of, of being a progressive and being wrong and how much 
I need that. And I'll just kind of wrap up with this little tidbit is some of you know who, who you know, those of you guys who listen every episode and whatever, you know that Unji and I <clears throat> have been working in comedy for a long time. And this year we are finally starting to like develop our own stories, our own things. You know, we put in our time and we, we have the right opportunities and we jumped and we're, we're here doing the thing. And so much of this year I spent stupidly being um, upset or angry or uh, uh, down on myself for not being good. Anxious. Anxious about even when, you know, Unji and I are constantly begging for jobs. That's like kind of our (laughs) thing, right? Like... We're, every audition, every like time we go, like you know, can I be on your show? How do like, you know hey. I want this job unless I beg? <laughs> How do you yes. know I mean it unless yeah. I embarrass myself? Exactly. Yeah. How do you know I deserve it unless I make myself a doormat for yeah. you? Yes. And I, in that way, like we are so anxious about like getting the next job and staying employed and blah blah blah, but. There's also a, a much, I, I would say, a much bigger anxiety that sometimes comes when you get the job and you have to perform it. Yeah. Right? Because so much of the audition is like, oh, I'm going to do all this to get the job. And then you get the job and you're like, okay, how do I do the thing? Yeah. <laughs> can, can I do the job? <laughs> can I do the job? And like, I tricked them. I tricked them into getting in there. And, and now how do I do it? And I've spent a lot of this year feeling really upset about not knowing how to do certain things that I shouldn't know how to do because I've never done the thing before, yeah. you know? Uh, uh, for example, I booked this gig uh, uh, voicing a cartoon and I've never done voiceover acting before, you know? And, yeah. and because of that and and I'm thankful and I'm totally thankful and so lucky to have had the job or or have the job but uh, I I just I I didn't know how to approach it without being upset that I didn't know how to do it you know what I mean yeah like with with stand-up and improv like you could kind of like fake it you know like or you make mistakes and then you get better at at doing it by via the mistakes but right? you can only do it the way that you do it. Both those things as forms <clears throat> oh, right, of right. creative expression require yeah. you to figure out how you're going to do it. Right. Yes. It, it is incumbent upon you to bring your style, your voice, etc. So there's a lot of leeway in figuring out the thing as you do it. When you get into other types of comedy jobs, you know, especially in the writing sense, there are ways things are done that are just opaque to us, to me and you, being old ass bitches who entered this industry late. Yes. (laughs) And also being old ass Korean bitches who don't have a lot of other old ass Korean bitches uh, uh, pulling, you know, like uh, pulling down or or pushing down the ladder towards us. Yes. You know, Uh, instead we have... Something that happened this year, fake ass Sandra O's <laughs> reaching out to us, <laughs> breaking us, <laughs> as Again? if it's not hard enough 
for two people oh of God, our background. Oh my God, I forgot about the Sandra O scandal. Sandra O scandal. Uh, such a like beautifully worded worded email too like this person really went out of their way to pretend to be sandra oh i mean this it was perfect it's perfect <sighs> oh I, my, I, I should post that email on yeah i mean the it's, patreon. So, it's so beautiful it's so beautiful yeah send we, we can post it on the patreon but We're i mean pa- yeah we won't say what the email but, was yeah, but but the thing is like this, this is you're totally right peter because there is no one in the class above us giving us their. There's APUS, no mentorship. There's no APUS notes they're giving us from the year before. No, a little scratch card on behind the calculator that you could cheat off of. Oh, oh my God! If I would, if I did not, in every single AP class, I knew an opa or yeah. an unni that like gave me their notes. Yeah, I would not have been able to survive. Exactly. That's how we do it as a tribe. AP we- Bayou? Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> hell no! Hell no! <laughs> I don't yeah, it's just too hard of a thing and that's what keeps us out and that's what this whole thing about representation matters is it's not like meh, affirmative action I mean I don't want to do that voice affirmative action shouldn't be an annoying thing it exists for a fucking reason because historically people like you and me have been conveniently cut out of the process Therefore, we don't have the fucking niceties that our <clears throat> white compatriots have, you know, I mean, especially and it's not, connections and, it's, and money. And it's not just in writer's rooms, right? This is like across the board. Like I've had Directors, a lot of conversations. crew members. Yeah, I, and, and also just in regular like tech world even. I mean, in a lot oh. of marketing jobs, I, I've had friends who work at like very prominent like Google, uh, you know, uh, you know, like places like that where they're just like, yeah, every single person they send me that are recruited, it's like another cute white person from another mm. big 10 school, right? Mm. That like looks the same, that has the same pedigree mm. and the same reason why people like you and I or uh, people of col- other people of color that have been left out is because they don't have the requirements. Because you're not, they're yeah. technically not allowed to look at race, right? This is oftentimes right. The, right. This is the, oftentimes the thing that's like, well, there aren't any qualified candidates. And the thing is, when you ask, when you say that as a room, as a place of employment, you have to consider what you're actually saying. When you say there are no quali- what are the qualifications? If you're looking for a certain uh, like pedigree, you have to consider what those institutions look like. If you're looking for a certain job experience, you have to look at what the ent- points of entry for barriers or entry to people of color might be. You know, there's a thread on Twitter with Ashley Nicole Black talking about the exact problem with writers' mm-hmm. rooms and why this quote unquote not good enough. There are no qualified mm-hmm. quote unquote candidates. Mm-hmm. It's such a problematic idea, it and is. it's not just in writers' rooms. Again, it's across the board. You know, when we talk and about that's yeah. something I yeah yeah exactly. It's everywhere. It's rampant everywhere. And it's that's what systemic racism is. You know, like that it's it's not this like fucking ching chong, go back to your country. Like that's <laughs> that's just stupidity. Racists have become smarter. They're coding it into our institutions. And and the into fact that policy. we policy. And the fact that we don't have someone giving us the notes makes us less right. qualified because we don't have this requisite experience. But the thing is and right. And we don't have those mentors who are big and turning back and, and mentoring us because they feel like they're on borrowed time as well. Yeah. So they're going, I don't I can't sp- spend my time helping you. I gotta help myself. <laughs> 
you know it's it's not it's none of this kind of communal rising tide thing and going through my own mentorship process through my projects i have and i have been so lucky i i'm and i was begging these networks to get me an asian mentor and they could not find me one like it's the same thing they're like yeah they're like there's not enough uh uh qualified candidates and i'm like what you you make the qualifications yeah you can bend it you know so going back to like finishing this thought up what i've realized is that this whole year if i just approached everything the same exact way but except for instead of being upset and defensive about how i'm not good enough for this or i don't i'm not i don't know how to do this immediately you know yeah or the fact that i keep messing up making mistakes you know but not in the fun like you know stand up way where a joke doesn't work and you could play it off like <laughs> truly there's no way to mess up in comedy yeah. but like you know <laughs> i have proof of it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you'll get the joke whatever way possible yeah 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 <laughs> but yeah I, if i just approached it with humility and just said you know what i don't know i don't know this thing teach me what do you do what's your thing yeah. how can oh, 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 give me some advice and what i realized is in in this process with the development process every time i ask for help mm-hmm. people are breaking down the doors to help yeah it's as if they were just waiting for me to beg <laughs> and that's and that's and that's the same thing i learned peter that i'm yeah. actually i've always been right None of my my instincts are always right, and I need to yeah. start listening to myself more. <laughs> my impulse to beg and grovel, yeah. correct? Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 I. My takeaway from this year has been one hundred percent. You've helped me realize that one really a lot. Like that, my feelings about I have a lot of like anxiety and insecurity about a lot of mm-hmm. my own value and. I think most people experience this like in your own career with your relationships like I think believing in yourself is really hard when you get to a point where you feel like life has proven you wrong right mm-hmm. like where you feel like missteps have led to wherever you quote unquote you are in life mm-hmm. and the thing is like it's not just about you know changing your attitude about things it's like sort of this ego swallowing thing that you're describing, like, you know, acknowledging the places in which like your own uh, decisions had nothing to do with the outcome. Yeah. Right. Like there's just some shit that will be right. Right. And the only things that you have control over, like you need to own up to those. And like, I think in my mind, like I conflate a lot of those two things. And like, Mm. I do the inverse where I'm like the things I have no control over, I feel like were entirely my fault and things Mm. I do have control over. I feel like I have no, you have no agency, no agency there. And it's a very convenient way to ensure that I never do anything. Right. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) yes, it's a very convenient way to convince myself that I am not worthwhile and that Mm. I deserve to do nothing and get nothing. And, Mm. um, I think that especially in this past year of complete inertia that I've found like a lot of your whatever impulse 
like if you have gone through the requisite work and you have done therapy, a lot of your innate instincts are leading you towards safety. Like Mm -hmm. it is a very human impulse for you to survive. Like that is what your body is trying to get you to. Most often, again, if you've done the work, if you're not trying to self-destruct and things, right? Like I feel like trusting those things, um, I find myself more often in places that I feel comfortable. I feel Mm. like I can breathe. I feel relief, Mm. you know? And that's the thing that I found where it's like, in the last, like, I would say two months, I'm finding relief. Oh. And I haven't felt like, you know, like I can take, mm. finally take a big breath. Mm. And that has not been the case in the past year, you know? And mm-hmm. when you're making, when you are so wound up tight and so anxious, I think that those, that those first couple of choices you make that you might have talked yourself out of, but you know are right. You'll find that relief. And that's how you kind of, I have found that like, this is where the path is. The relief, mm. right? It's not even like, I feel elation. I just feel like, oh, this is the space. Mm. And now I'm going to be able to move forward. But like in the beginning, it's been incredible. I have not felt this in a very long time. The relief is mm. hard to articulate outside of that. Like, Where do you think the relief came from? I think so much of it is like the anxiety has always been trying to talk me out of things. And like, mm. it's that if I can trust my, trust myself, I'm like mm. relieved that I'm right. Huh. Okay. You know, like it's this, like yeah. I've been so wound up in like convincing myself that I'm not going to be right. This is the wrong decision. Right. And then making that choice and then like, Oh, okay. So this is, it's like, you know, when you're walking on a precipice and you're trying to checking and then as you move forward and then that like release that you're still on solid ground knowing that. Yeah. 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 That you're not doing a free fall. Like it's this relief. And with every step, I feel like it'll be less relief. It'll be more assurance. It'll be more of this freedom and then I can run and I can fly, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, but right now it feels like relief. And that's the only, only way I can describe it. The only way I know that this is the right path. That's it. That's exactly it. And I think that's uh, uh, what all any of us can really <laughs> wish for is to, to be kind to ourselves. And that relief you're getting is really a, a, a moment of self-kindness. You're not, you're not, you're telling that inner saboteur voice of like, you're not good enough. You stuck. You're going to fuck this up. You're telling it to just shut the fuck up for a second. <laughs> yeah. So that you can gather yourself. <laughs> yeah. That voice is always going to be there. Obviously, yes. you know that. I know that. Every artist feels like an imposter it's part of the deal we're wound in a way where we must we must create you know and that inner saboteur real uh, who said this i was listening to something or i was watching something the other day uh and they were talking about the shadow self oh oh, uh, our our friend jonathan Giuseppe was talking about this oh okay Uh, uh, this idea of shadow self i think it's Jungian, but it, it is this idea that there, there's yourself and then there's your shadow self and a lot of like depression and suicidal ideation comes from that shadow self saying if you if I can't 
be if the shadow self can't be um, actualized or dealt with, I'd rather the true self die than the shadow self remain in the shadow. So it's this, uh, yeah, it's this idea that like your your whatever that thing is inside voice of saying you're not worthy or you suck, you don't belong here, no one likes you, all that stuff that's like pounded into our head just from living high school, whatever, you know, uh, uh, that voice is there to survive as that voice. And it'll go to the lengths of killing you so that it's sur- it, it it survives yeah i mean that's it, the thing yeah you have to remind yourself that you your true self is also something right like so those right choices like because every living thing has an impulse it's only impulse it's most true and almost most overriding impulse is to survive mm-hmm. you know and to sustain itself so even it's your truest self will try to do the same thing and like that is what i feel like I have to also trust. I mean, like right. just as someone with like struggle with depression, like I think that that's the part where I like this distinguishing and trusting this other, like mm-hmm. if you wind up listening to the shadow self a lot, mm-hmm. you know, like you feel uncertain about which voices right. you're listening Who's to. Who's the real voice? Who's the real voice? Right. And so just trying to listen. And I think what you're describing, like kindness to that true self Mm-hmm. Is what a lot is what flan, fans those flames, mm-hmm. right? To help it, to embolden it, to help it grow. Um, yeah, and like that—that that has been hard because I think in a in our culture that there's so much talk about kindness to self and self love and mm-hmm. treating yourself and self care, <laughs> self care, and it's like you know, goop de goop de goop. yeah. <laughs> like I think the true intent of it can be, you know corrupted right it's a little muddled Mm -hmm. and when we talk about kindness i think it's this it's that taking the moment to even hear yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not not stuff it with um bubble baths (laughs) (laughs) yoga retreats yeah yeah that's not what that is you know that's that's capitalism selling you self-love and self-care It's industrialized. Industrialized. It's the military <laughs> industrial self care complex telling you. Welcome to Bath and Body Works. Yeah, like you need this lush bomb, hun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he didn't call. Next, and so like you know, like that's not what this is about. It's like it's about yeah. listening to yourself truly mm-hmm. and hearing yourself, taking that time, Ooh. the breath. Like that has been really revelatory because I love the industrial you know the uh, military industrial self-care complex yeah me too <laughs> like if you're listening please uh, i'm interested uh melon and guts i really like your <laughs> pineapple moisturizer like i am interested in being sponsored please yeah. uh, but like i think that's what's hard is like when you are inundated with this messaging i think you can be lost on what the message is like yeah. what the intent is here and um talk thinking about that especially in this last like week where i've literally detoxed like i've uh-huh. only had water i have not smoked i have not had any alcohol like truly like i think being clean 
and having like a lot of sleep like that is something where i'm really hearing myself i'm like feeling connected to my voice in a way that because of pandemic we're all sort of self-medicating mm-hmm. uh, we're all sort of uh trying to zone out from the sort of like stress of the world and the chaos right um but like I've been really like I'm telling you like just because of this fucking flu <laughs> I've been very fortunate like I mean think about that like I've that's what forced me to stop for a moment mm-hmm. and like we're certainly very fortunate to be able to do that yeah. um, but like I, I think that has been one of the big takeaways like I didn't expect to get this lesson at the end of the year. I was expecting to ra- spend the end of this 2020 being raging. Raging. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm very circumspect and I'm having this sort of time where I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's been very interesting. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Forced yeah. To reflection. Forced time. reflection. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope you guys, you know, get some forced reflection, hopefully not from the flu, but, you know, self-directed. <laughs> Well, throw in a lush bath bomb, whatever it takes to get you to that point. But you know what? Instead of maybe like throwing on a podcast, unless it's ours, yeah. But or like <laughs> listening to music, maybe spend some time with yourself and uh, yeah, maybe have a little bit of time of listening to yourself. And I think that'll be nice, especially going to 2021. You guys, it's an exciting time. Like Unji said, it's a pivotal point. We can leap forward courageously. Yes. And, and, and you, we individually can do that in our own lives. And I know this has kind of <laughs> turned into like a self-help episode. but yeah, I know. We're like, let's wing it. But it's the end of the year. And we, we've we learned a lot. We it, It's been a year, but it's felt like 10. Yeah. And we've really <laughs> aged. Our souls have aged. Uh, my hair so, is aged. My pubes yeah. are gray. <laughs> I don't have gray pubes yet, thank God. <laughs> but uh, it's getting there. I know it. I do. Have, most of my asshole hairs are white, though. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> no, no, I don't. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> Okay, we are back with Kick-Ass Koreans. Key! You guys, it's our last Kick-Ass Koreans of the fucking year. Of the t- of the uh, tens. Of the tens? Okay. Uh, of, of 2020? We're doing it! <laughs> this person, I'm so excited, my Kick-Ass Korean. His name is Peter Son. He is an animator, director, voice actor, storyboard artist at Pixar Animation Studios. My one of my favorite animation studios. Um, Peterson was born in the Bronx. Hello back. Uh, <laughs> Boogie down Bronx. And raised in New York City, just like me. His parents were Korean immigrants, just like me. Oh he attended CalArts and got a summer job working on the Iron Giants. You guys remember that one? Really good. You should, I recently rewatched it. It's 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 sad, but it's good. Okay. And um, after graduating first they're all sad uh i actually just rewatched wally and that was really good too oh beautiful beautiful stuff they do anyway he started working for the walt disney company and warner brothers uh before coming to pixar uh a little known fact about him russell the little kid from up yeah the little asian kid is based on him really his actual face 
And uh, I learned about that because I was reading this article on the Times uh, about Soul, Pixar Disney Soul. Yeah, yeah. And um, how that came about. And it's the first Pixar movie um, to feature a black lead. Um, and uh, the guy who directed it, Peter Docter, D-O-C-T-E-R, He's directed a bunch of stuff up, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of other Pixar movies. He's like the resident guy to go to. He did Inside Out. Uh, he won some, uh, like a, a, a Oscar for that, I think. And he was when he was drawing, when he was conceptualizing up, he had this idea for this kid. And he went to this Peter Sohn and said, "Look, I'm trying to be sensitive, uh, but I, this kid has to look Asian. But I know there's like a lot of like." history behind asian eyes and drawing asians and caricatures and stuff like that so like help me be uh sensitive to this and this guy peterson told him look at my eyes draw what you see the truth is not racist and he wow. and, and yeah and he helped him really like conceptualize his character and delve into uh, uh you know really being uh honoring this little Asian child instead of making him a joke, which has been like historically how POCs are treated in animation. And um, he directed Soul. And he, uh, by the way, which is a beautiful film on Disney Plus, watch it. Uh, it's starring Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey. But uh, <laughs> it's great. I didn't even, I honestly didn't even realize it was Tina Fey till like halfway through the movie. And uh, it's just a, such a beautiful story about the afterlife, about death, about living your life and, and stop waiting for the moment to define you and letting every moment that you live. You know, it's just a beautiful story. And um, he was talking about how he brought in this guy uh, named Kemp. Uh, what is his name? Uh, 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 Kemp Powers. I believe uh, he is a black director and he is the first, uh, he was the co-director on this film and he, he became the first director, black director at Pixar Disney Cool. in the year 2020. That's crazy. Because, yeah. I insane. And he was brought in because this guy uh, was like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, direct this film and I need your help. And so uh, all this to say, Pixar Disney, it seems at least what I read in the trades, they're trying to do the right thing, you know, by reaching out to POC members in their community and saying, hey, help me with this. And Peterson was one of these people. He also, Peterson also directed uh, The Green Dinosaur, or The Big Dinosaurs, one of those dinosaur movies that Pixar did. And he worked on a bunch of different films. Um, so he's our kick-ass Korean. Look him up on the Wikipedias. He has a long list. He does a lot of voices as well. So you could go back and watch movies and be like, oh, this is the guy who did that voice. So Peter Son, Pixar Animation. Our last kick-ass Korean. One of our, oh, our penultimate kick-ass Korean. <laughs> um, uh, mine is a children's author. Um named Linda Sue Park. And um, she's like very, very prolific. Uh, if you have a child, she has a book. Uh, if you're if you're raising a Korean kid, she has a book called Bibimbap that's like mm. very cute um, about how to make a Bibimbap. And there's like just Asian people all over the place and it's very cute. Saul really likes the story. It's very fun, it's rhyming. She's won a lot of awards, been Newberry winner. Like if you're, I remember being, she's 
a person with, who's one of those Newberry. Do you remember those? The gold uh, medals. Yeah. Yes. Like that's yeah. only. That was only, a huge deal. Huge deal. So she's won. Isn't several that like the Pulitzer for kids? That's right. She's won several yeah. of those. Um, wow. And a oh, one in 2002 and then like several uh, nominated, you know. And cool. so she's written a lot of books. If you want to look her up, her bibliography is quite vast. Um, she's from Illinois, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to highlight her. And she came over, she was born in 1960 in Illinois. Oh. In Urbana. Oh. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, grew up in Park Forest, went to Stanford. Okay. Doing the whole, doing it all. Trinity yes, College in Dublin. <laughs> but, you know, doing all the masters. And, I mean, she did this, right? In the 60s and 70s. At this point, probably in the 70s. Like, mm. nuts. Um, she... What's interesting? So she married a, an Irishman. <laughs> um, uh, love that. I mean, the pictures of her in the '60s as a kid are fucking crazy. If you go to her website, it's very cute. I can only have imagined what it would be like to have been an Asian kid at that time. Um, and she has like on her website, it's very cute. This is the reason why I wanted to highlight her. She has pictures of all the libraries that she, were important to her. Mm. Um, and if you're a bookish kid That's such a nerdy thing I yes, love that <laughs> and, and like if you're a bookish kid you know all the libraries that were important to you oh, I beautiful libraries yes, yes all the important libraries that like you the books and the little corners and the nooks and crannies and those places that were important to you mm. and um, you know I think that one writers are important books are important and the thing is for me particularly uh, raising a young child Having books that reflect your family, mm. Mm. not just books, not just movies and television, but like books, like especially at such a young age are so important. Like just like what you're describing, Peter, about like just having a face that looks like your dad's or your mm. Harbez or your Harmies or your mom's is like, is that like when you're four, you're like, whoa, love the representation. <laughs> you know, you're like, you're never like Saul's never just been like no. snaps. Yes, queen, like go off. You know, he's like, it just becomes a part of the world that he sees. And that's the work. That's the thing. That's the goal. Right. It's not just for my son, but it's for his friend, Wesley, who's just white to see this story so right. that he sees his friend in his culture, in the books that he reads. Right. So it becomes normalized for them so they don't walk around thinking, oh, this is a world full of me. Yes. <laughs> Which is or not why me's. we've... Or not me. Yes, exactly. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and so th I just wanted to highlight her. And if you want to support her and buy these books, it's very cool. Like some of the stories are really good. Um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Support this Newberry Award winning uh, <laughs> author, especially if you have a child. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Linda Sue Park and um, Peter Son, our final kick-ass Koreans of 2020. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 here we are at the end of the episode. We hope you enjoyed the ride with us. Some of you are new to the podcast. Some of you are old friends. Yeah. We just want to say thank you. We're so grateful that you tune in. And we're grateful to have this space, even though we don't directly get to talk to you. We love hearing from you from the emails, the all the tweet, the Twitters and the Instagrams. We love every message we get. We try to respond to everything, but sometimes, you know, we have lives, but we are listening. We we love everything you send. So keep sending them in. And happy new year, guys. Yeah, hey, hey, money hey, by money by sale. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Bye. bye. Goodbye, 2020. Peace. Bye, bitch.